0: You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Welcome back to another week of movie talk and etc., because you never know where we're going to talk about.
1: It. <laughs> yeah, you never know where the road will lead us.
0: Well, I saw that you uh, you are the the star of an escape room. I saw oh. on, on the internet that you you completed an escape room. Did you?
1: And we uh, completed it with lots of time to spare, which was our best ever.
0: Did so that's you? Good news. Uh, do they keep track of like uh, top all time? Like we're we be um,
1: second best really? for that one, and wow. the first best beat us by like eighteen seconds.
0: Wow, eighteen seconds—that's yeah, it. just
1: about yeah. Oh, wow, wow, that's
0: so, great.
1: We're really tickled because um, we don't always win, and when we do, it's normally like with like seconds to spare.
0: Yeah, yeah, this yeah. time
1: we had like twenty minutes on the clock, you so really me. our best, our our best showing.
0: It, it was a great picture. All four of you, you had your masks on. You were holding yeah. strange props.
1: That was our gold. That was, that was Captain, okay. Captain Hook's gold. Oh, so we cool. um, on this show we always like to give a shout out to some local Kingston businesses yes. for our Kingstonian listeners. So um anyone from Kingston's probably familiar with Improbable Escapes the escape room um here in Kingston. They have a location now in the West End which mm-hmm. opened like months months before uh COVID hit. Like I don't yeah. even they weren't even open 6 months I don't think.
0: No, they
1: um not. and so then we went into lockdown but escape rooms are allowed in phase 3. And uh, we went to the West End location, and we played the Peter Pan escape room. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. We've done almost all of their escape rooms between the two locations. And when I say us, I mean Dan, myself, and then our our friends, um, Roman and Andrew. So we've played quite a few of them. Um, And I would say this is the best one. Really? If, so any like any fans any improbable escape fans definitely go out to um ne- the I think it's called Wonderland Escape Room but it's it's mm-hmm. the it's the Improbable Escapes in the West End. Yeah, um, they have two escape rooms right now. One is um sleeping beauty themed. We did that at at my birthday last December and then this uh this uh Peter Pan one which was supposed to open in like early in the new year, and then um, COVID hit. So they were doing kind of a virtual version of it. But now you can actually go in person, you just have to wear your masks while you're playing. But all things considered, um, because it, it, in the escape room, you're only with like the people you're doing the escape room with, I would yeah. say it's a fairly safe COVID activity.
0: Absolutely. And the fact that they take, I've, I've seen on their social media, that it takes so much time to clean yeah. and monetize in between bookings that yeah. it's pretty private.
1: They do a great job. And the location in the West End is also a board uh, board game room. You can mm-hmm. rent board games by the hour. Um, that's something I'm a, a little less inclined to do during COVID, but of course sure. it's, it's very safe. Um, it would be as safe as going to a bar really. Um, okay. So if that's kind of your your thing, um, there's, you know, that might be your next COVID activity. But definitely, I highly, highly recommend the, the um, Neverland Heist. It's called. Heist Neverland on Heist. the high seas or something. Um, they always have funny names. But yeah, well, it was great.
0: A screening in Kingston, shout out to Improbable Escapes and the Wonderland Board Game Lounge right here in Kingston good reviews from taylor
1: yeah that was a uh i can't really give it a a see it it's a do it (laughs) do it
0: yeah there you go do it (laughs) go do it yeah yeah Yeah. well good that's good yeah i I saw the picture and made sure that screening in kingston liked the photo Oh, great because one of our one of our hosts was victorious so let's (laughs) let's give a shout out
1: and not completely Mm -hmm. off topic considering um, that, you know, Peter Pan, Disney uh, Oh,
0: I think <laughs> Land and and Probable Escapes, they do a great job of theming their games. So yeah, you can often find connections to movies.
1: I have it's to say you know. I have to say their production value is so good. And it Yeah, I would agree. Um I know some of their staff come from the media department at Queens and they have um set designers on staff and it really it really shows
0: Mm -hmm. oh and i and i find if you can find a good group to go with you're gonna have fun oh you're gonna enjoy yourself like it's it's i've gone every time i've gone i've enjoyed myself and i know someone i'm not gonna say their name but i'm gonna give a shout out to someone who i know is listening you know who you are uh who's had horrible times going but it's because of the group that they go with you know, if you go, go with people that you're just maybe from work or you don't know that well, I don't think you're going to have as much fun as if you go with friends or people who are dynamic and fun and love that type of stuff. So little, yeah, I, little. Think,
1: I think you need to know the personalities you're going with. Yeah.
0: And it needs to be personalities of people who can let their hair down and just have some fun.
1: Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so yeah this this week we're we're talking about a couple interesting things we've got two movies to review this week um and we're gonna set up a little bit of a preview of what to expect next week because we have a kind of special episode next week but we're gonna save that till the end of this episode so if you want to know what we're doing next week you're gonna have to listen all the way through (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> You'll have to
1: listen me. to us babble through the next hour.
0: Yeah, whatever then. it is that we're talking about. Um, but yeah, you, Taylor, you're going to review a movie you saw at the screening room, um, a French film. I believe I believe we just discussed to make sure that it's, it's How to Be a Good Wife is the name of it.
1: Correct. Yes.
0: Um, and then I, uh, I saw a film on Netflix, uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is a new film that has a little Kingston connection. Because it's based on a book uh, by, uh, I believe his name is Ian Reed, And he is uh, from Kingston. He's a Kingston-born, maybe even raised author. So his Is he book still
1: living the, Kingston?
0: I don't know. You know, I, I tried to look up some information on him. I couldn't find a lot of current stuff. There There is a lot on this movie. Like, if you look him up right now, there's a bunch of stuff just about what he's you know, what, what he thought of this movie and think pieces on the movie because the movie is very, very um, involved and intense in a lot of ways. Cerebral. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people before even watching it was telling me like, oh, it's it's very similar to like the idea of internal sunshine and a spotless mind. Like okay. It's sort of very, like if you like that movie, you'll like this one type of thing. Um, and uh, I so I, I when I was looking up, I found a lot more on his current stuff, but I don't know if he's... Currently living in Kingston or was just raised here? Because I, I think he was born in Ottawa, but grew up in Kingston. So, like, kind of a Kingston based author.
1: I love, and Kingston's not the only city guilty of this, but I love when cities lay claim to people, even oh, though, yeah. like, oh, they only lived here for so long. So, one that I think is so hilarious is Brian Adams, the musician. Hmm. I know you're not a big music fan, so you probably no. don't even know who this person is. i heard the
0: name. <laughs> I know the name.
1: <laughs> Kingston really likes to claim Brian Adams. I think he only lived here a summer.
0: Like, I don't, yeah. like,
1: I don't actually really? think he grew up here or anything.
0: Isn't that the same with there's also another band that went to Queens, but Kingston claims them as their own, but they were more like they they all went to queens and started their band here and it was and and i just thought like oh kingston seems to seems to have problems with the university until they want to claim a person
1: it's not the tragically tragically hip that you're thinking no no the
0: tragically hip where a lot of them they they are
1: they are kingston
0: i i honestly i can't remember the name of the band maybe they're not even massive they're just um they're maybe up and coming but i know they were queens based and, and a lot of Times I hear, oh, they're from Kingston, but that's actually not true. Um, but I don't think, like, I think Ian Reed, I'm like positive he, I'm going to look it up as we're talking. I'm positive he was born in Ottawa, but he lived in Kingston for a long time. Fair like, it's out. not that he was just barely here. I think he lived here for a while. I just don't know if he's still here. That's, that's the information. Again, this is the problem. We talked about this before, especially with Canadian film. There's just not as much information out there. For people, um, it's it's one of the reasons why I think Hollywood and 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 these American films become so popular is you can find information, you can talk about it, and you can learn a lot about different names and people. It's harder when we talk about Canadians to find information on them. I found that when we were doing our all Canadian uh,
1: um, movie. the wiki the Wikipedia page is like two lines.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a lot about him. There's not even on IMDb. There's nothing about him um so it's just it's harder i the sorry i was trying to say that the movie club we did all of those canadian films it was hard to find information on the writers and the directors and things unless it was a you know hollywood movie
1: i want to fact check myself brian adams was born in
0: kingston oh there you go see you were trying but, to make <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he grew up he was raised in ottawa so what well, doesn't, doesn't matter. It does it
0: matter?
1: Okay. He's ours. <laughs> so I canceled I canceled my own point. But yeah, on behalf of
0: Kingston, I claim Brian Adams. No, no, okay. no, He's out. He was Fair born enough. here.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. But no like, that like
0: To you're... me, you have been born somewhere or lived there for five plus years it and counts. then it's okay. Yeah, then it counts. Okay. That that would be my thing. It happens all the time. It happens in every industry, though, because even in sports, you get that a lot. Where someone like, oh, this hockey player is from Kingston, but he was born and raised in Brockville. Um, You know, people will claim because they want to. You know, they want to feel connected. They want to feel like, oh, this person. Look at look at what they did. Look at all they've accomplished.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> bad segue but let's get to let's get to the movie
0: <laughs> let's get to the movies segue alert here we go <laughs> right into our movies um, but before we get there we do have one uh, fan question to to get into so we'll uh, we'll go into that first um, and then we'll uh, we'll come back to our movie reviews so uh, if you guessed it if we have one fan question we all know who it comes from it's josh so my Josh,
1: my I'm guess sorry. is that Josh is the one who doesn't have good escape room experiences.
0: No. Oh. in Incorrect. Okay. <laughs> Josh has very positive escape oh, room. Oh,
1: good. Is he Josh on your very, escape room team then? He,
0: I have gone to the escape room, I think, with him one time. I think. I'm trying to recall if he was there in the time that I'm thinking, and I think he was. Okay. If he wasn't his girlfriend for sure was there. I just can't remember if he was there or not. I want to say he was. But anyway, um, no, Josh is very competitive. So Josh loves that type of thing. He, he's all over anything where he can try to beat someone's time. All but over
1: sometimes it. having a really competitive person on your team isn't fun because they hog the clues.
0: It depends how seriously you take it, though. Like If you're just along for the ride and you're there to have fun, it, it's kind of helpful. Um but yes, they can hog, hog the clues because they think like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be able to figure this out. I'm gonna solve." Like it they
1: kind of they're competitive with their own team. You have oh, to yeah. be competitive, but you have to work cohesively.
0: Oh, I'm sh- pretty sure Josh is competitive with himself. So yeah, he's competitive with every human being on the planet, including himself. So <laughs> I, I, I could see that. But no, no, Josh was not the person that I was mentioning. But as I said, they know who they are. Okay. Like, um, special, special shout out to that person. You know who you are. Um, let's hear from Josh, though. Oh, hey, this question is for both of us. Do you think the new Oscar standards for Best Picture are strong enough to, to, promote, to, to promote diversity in filmmaking and acting? They're currently not set to begin until 2024, so there are other steps that do. You, are there other steps you feel that could be taken by the Oscars? If you're unfamiliar with unreferencing, referencing, I've included a link to the article that references these changes. Okay. Josh, the Inquisitor. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of this, Taylor. I saw the
1: headline, but I didn't okay. read the article.
0: I, I, I saw the headline as well at first and then, and started to read the article just to kind of get like a general idea. Because it's basically like the, the Oscars announced that they're trying to set new standards for best pictures contender because they want more inclusion within those categories. Yeah, they
1: want more diversity, like more diverse winners.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I think they're they're attempting to to set a new standard. So in order to be even eligible for best picture, you have to include at least two of like these categories that they've put together. So, I'll quickly run through them and then maybe you and I can just kind of give our thoughts. I'm
1: I already feel like we're inching towards not a great plan territory, but I will <laughs> let you read me the categories and then I'll weigh in.
0: As usual, you and I are on the same page. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm also getting the same feeling, but hey, let's, let's read through it. I'm going to read them out and then you and I can kind of discuss them. Okay. Great. So to be eligible for best picture. A film must meet at least two of these standards across four categories. So there's four categories, and they're saying two two standards have to be met. So I'm gonna read them out. On-screen representation, themes and narratives, so that's category one, creative leadership and project team, category two, industry access and opportunities, category three, and audience development. So within each of these four categories, a variety of criteria in involving inclusion of people that are in, that are categorized as underrepresented will will include women, people of color, LGBTQ plus people, those um, with cognitive or physical disabilities. Oh, is that it? Oh, sorry. Uh, the sentence I thought continued on that's that's basically it. So within these categories, so on-screen representation themes and narratives, you're basically saying that in order to qualify, you have to have the inclusion of these underrepresentative groups within that category.
1: So the idea is that um, either you're like story, cast, team so wait wait, let's summarize the four categories
0: so here let's i'll summarize category one on screen representation themes and narratives so that means if um, cast
1: and story cast
0: story or the overarching theme of it right is is one you know meets one of those one of those groups creative leadership and project team so director writer producer Industry access and opportunities. So how how much access to the industry, I read that, are you giving? And what opportunities are being given within this? Like, are there opportunities outside of your project team to be involved in this type of project? And then audience development.
1: What does that mean?
0: Well, I think audience development is marketing, PR, trailer cutting, uh, screeners, those types of things, like the larger parts of production that are not can maybe necessarily connected to the film, but the but the uh, company itself that's putting it forward.
1: So what the trailers are targeted towards women.
0: Well, no, or or I think the trailers are <laughs> created by, cut and edited by. Oh, women.
1: okay. Like like the PR <laughs> the PR person was like trans.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Th- this is the way I read it is if I had a film that exactly what you're saying. So the, the PR person for my film company is trans and the project is, uh, starring, um, Jamie Fox. Then
1: um, it's in, now a contender for best. Yeah, in
0: theory, I'm clicking at least two of these categories, right? Like that, I guess that's the theory. Um, Other Oscar categories it says will not be held to these same standards, but the contenders for best picture typically filter down, um, to the feature length categories, which the best picture is basically what they're saying. You must meet these standards. Um, in this article, they, what I would have liked them to do is give us very specific example, because that's the best one I can, I can think of. Like if we think of a movie, um, you know so long as the movie is talking about is about or is cast with one of those sort of uh, under what underrepresented groups then it would qualify for that first category like that's the way i read it yeah um, and that again audience development they don't explain it but to me that that's all your pr that's your your non your non production team related team members the people who create your trailers the people who promote your film the people who do audio like that to me that's what audience development is um but again it says industry access and opportunities but then audience development is number three i'm wondering if audience development is also how you put your film out like are you making it accessible to people are you putting it out in places like i don't know if that's what they mean either but the article
1: didn't like go into explanation of what these categories are this
0: specific one that josh sent only talks about how it's not going to go into effect till 2024 gives a quote and then it just talks about how it's not the other categories like it's specifically just this one well they probably
1: Um, haven't even fleshed out these i mean these categories seem to me like made up like industry access like (laughs) okay
0: well okay let me see here as we're talking i found a couple more things here um yeah. Okay. So, okay. Standard D, audience development. Okay, here you go. This is this is what it's talking about. Okay. Yeah. So it basically means representation in marketing, publicity, and distribution. Um, the studio or film company has multiple in-house senior executives from among the following underrepresented groups, which include women, racial or ethnic groups, which they, they actually list um, different racial and ethnic groups, LGBTQ plus members of the community, people with cognitive or physical disabilities. So I guess it also means... They're saying the studio, the film company has senior executives that are with involved in marketing, publicity, and distribution.
1: I guess, like, to me, obviously, we as hosts are not anti-diversity. Like, we've no. said it more than once. Like, film needs to have diverse voices with diverse characters. Obviously, I'm all for diversity. I just don't know if this is the way we fix representation in Hollywood. Well no, it
0: doesn't it doesn't eliminate the underlying problem. Right? This doesn't this doesn't eliminate the issue. Like this doesn't fix anything. The the issue is the attitudes of people and the way we think about other people. All this does is give a regulation for you to follow. And therefore executives will do it for the purpose of following the regulation, not yeah. because they believe it.
1: Maybe though, this is what, you know, if this is what creates more diverse stories, then I guess it is a great plan. But well, that's
0: the thing. Like, will, will you or I care about this? If it creates more diverse stories and we get more diverse stories, Like. No, we won't care how they did it because they did it. Right? Like
1: I guess just like and they're giving us until they're giving Hollywood until 2024 so they can hire all of yeah. their executives and now yeah. hire their token <laughs> so so hard.
0: hard because it's going to take so long to do to meet this like most of the films we talk about on this podcast meet <laughs> this criteria. Yeah. Like it's not that hard. <laughs> Like, I don't understand. Like, that's that's what make That's to me... And it's the same with my comments about Star Trek Discovery last week. My problem isn't necessarily what they're doing. It's the reasons why they're doing it and how they're going about it. And before anyone asks me, I do believe that matters. I believe context and what you're trying to say matters way more than how you're going about to say it. I, I honestly believe that. So... I think that to me, this screams fake and this screams pandering, but I agree, Taylor, with what you just said. And you saying that actually has given me something to think about because I actually do agree with what you just said. I don't know if I'll care if in 2024, we have a bunch of amazing films from diverse voices, new stories, interesting, innovative movies. I don't think, I, I don't think that'll bother me at all. I think that's exactly what I want, so it'll be great.
1: I think just the crazy. Th- I mean, uh, they're just gonna have to hire new staff. I think like that's <laughs> that's the <laughs> the the kicker, right? Is that a a lot of the problem is just that um, diverse voices haven't been given the space to tell stories. Like yeah. funding doesn't go to those films. So, again, if this is the catalyst to get studios to hire young, um, diverse voices, that's great. It just Especially
0: seems like. In a the back- Sorry, go ahead. Especially in the second category, which is the creative side, like the writers and directors. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I think, where you'd see the most significant change. And I think that's great.
1: I guess it just seems a little backwards to me. But again, if this is what gets the studios to kind of wake up and smell the roses. Yeah. Um but this on the other hand, I just think I it's I guess I'm a pessimist. I think studios would abandon the Oscars before they would do these structural changes. Like who are the yeah. Oscars <laughs> to say we <we're, laughs> you have to meet <laughs> this criteria? Well, uh, I didn't
0: even think of it that way until you just said that. <laughs> maybe i'm too much of an optimist because i didn't even like that didn't even cross my mind until you said that and now i'm like oh man i think taylor's right
1: well think of how they are always up like filmmakers and studios are threatening to pull their movies from theaters and award shows if netflix and amazon are allowed to compete in the same categories
0: Oh, and the theater who wanted to ban – the AMC theaters wanted to ban everything from Universal Studios because they released Trolls worldwide directly to streaming. Like, So,
1: (laughs) if if they're so quick to do that, who's to say that the Oscars – and I guess I'm also jaded because the Oscars for many years has been trying to become more relevant – because they've essentially lost like our age demographic, like young people don't watch the Oscars anymore. Um, And so like, is this just a gamut to try to win back sort of the millennial and younger viewership? I don't know. I just,
0: that's that's the thing. Like I, this is okay. This is what's hard. And this is the point that I, I keep trying to make. And I just want to first say that it's, it's really sad and disappointing that this is the way life is, but it is. What you just said is probably exactly true. Yes, of course that's why they're doing it. They're only doing this because there's pressure. They don't believe it, Taylor, because if they believed it, you wouldn't have to They say, would have
1: yeah, they would have just been doing you it all would along.
0: done it. Right? And even even if even if you, you know, someone, some executive of the of the Oscars is hired who's a lot younger and is like, "Well, why were things not like this all okay, fine. I get it. I get growth." And I get why someone else comes in and goes, let's just change all of this. But I, again, I don't, why would there be a press release about it to loss to the, like whatever these Los Angeles times or whatever, why don't you just tell the movie theaters, Hey, in order to, uh, to, in order for your movie to qualify for the Oscars this year, here's the new, uh, here's, here's the new everything. Here's, here's all your new regulations. There it is. And let the studios complain about it. Let them write their think pieces. Just do it. Stop telling people you're going to do things and go out there and do
1: it. It's like um, the Oscars is a teacher and the Oscars is forcing the studios into a group project.
0: (laughs) Everyone pair up with someone you've never met before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In order to get a passing grade, you need to partner with someone that you don't know. (laughs) Introduce yourself to the person to your left. No. I, at the end of the day, you know, if it means we're gonna get um diverse movies, great. I guess that's the bottom line, right? If we're and gonna if get for
0: Josh's question, which is do we think this will help? I, I agree. I think this means we will get more diverse movies. I absolutely believe that.
1: Or the Oscars will die between now and we'll sure. 2024. Yeah, and
0: yeah, you're right, or people will jump up. But what I will say is the independent um production companies or houses or or places like Netflix and Amazon, I think you do see more diversity in, in, in in storytelling. So I do think it's the larger studios that this is targeting. I I think think it's,
1: it's the quote unquote establishment. Like that's what the Oscars represents. Right. So it's kind of like Oscars, you're 10 years too late. And, You know, you're trying to make a scramble to become relevant again. So I, I honestly think the Oscars are gonna die before we see these changes from lack of interest. And COVID might have been the death nail, right? So
0: it might, it might have been. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I agree. I think you and I are on the same page for this. I just, yeah. Sometimes I guess things need to be done for the wrong reason, but at least they're done. I still think reasons matter. I think people can see through things when it's fake um, and when you don't mean it if you just live and breathe something and and you don't need to boast about it just live and breathe it live and breathe inclusion live and breathe diversity and you will never be questioned on it because you're living and breathing it so yeah good Studios should follow this mandate they will get there will be more inclusive stories but I bet you anything, you're, they're just going to shoehorn people into roles. You're never going to hear from them. Yeah, it's going to be like, well, minimum,
1: bare minimum, right? They're going to scrape by minimum. to get a passing yeah.
0: grade. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. But unfortunately, I guess we can't get rid of those people, I guess. But that's just because we keep doing this as opposed to working on the way people think. There's a lot of great uh, books out there that talk about that. I'm reading one right now. That's really good. Always oh, um,
1: educating yourself, Mike. That's yeah, good.
0: Well, I mean, you've got to read um, and there's lots of great things out there about it's it's all within the way we think. And if you can change that, then then that's all for the better. But that's that's hard. It takes time, energy, money. We don't want to do those things. So. And,
1: you there know, are. this announcement is just going to bring out all of those people in the woodwork who are, like, anti-affirmative hiring, anti, oh. you know, <laughs> like, <You're right. laughs> it's going to get all those people who are like, it's hard being a white man and the Oscars is further proof that people hate us. So that's what the Oscars have done. You know, they're just going to bring all those people out into the, out of the woodwork again. And it's not going to be a productive conversation.
0: I think there's a lot more to, um, dive into here in, in this and other things. So we're, we're going to move on because we do, we're going to talk about the two movies, but, um, I'd like to come back to this Taylor. Um, not next week, but a future episode. Oh, Let's I'm come sure
1: back. Um, once this has ruminated a bit, there's going to be tons of articles. We'll, yeah. we'll be back.
0: Yeah, we'll be back. Let's. We'll both do our own research on this. We'll both let, let it sit with us a bit. Thank you, Josh, though, for bringing this up to us. I do like, And, and I, I mean that. I like to joke around and bother Josh all the time. But I do appreciate you bringing us something like this because this is... This is something you and I can sink our teeth into oh, and have yeah. a larger discussion about because that's what it deserves. These topics deserve large discussions and deserve to be brought up. So let's do, let's do it justice and let's, let's come back to this. Perfect. So for now, let's review some movies. <laughs> let's, let's have some fun and review a couple movies. Let's get into it. Um, let's, start, let's start with you, Taylor. Why don't you tell us about the movie you saw?
1: So, I saw the movie How to Be a Good Wife, which is a French comedy. Um, I saw it at the screening room, and it was probably the best attended film. I've seen three movies now at the screening room, and this has been the best attended. Obviously, not nearly normal capacity, but I would say, like, probably close to capacity given the current limits. So, um, Maybe could have had, like, a couple more, but, like, it was fairly well-attended, all things considered. Um, I would say this movie was uneven at times. That's kind of, like, the best way I could describe it. But overall, it was very enjoyable. Like, it was a pretty breezy comedy. It's set um, in 1960s France um, at a time where... um, you know, there's uh, a very conservative, uh, conservative sort of religious uh, stream in France, and it's happening. It takes place in 1967 slash 1968, right at a time where um, France um, is essentially experiencing um a cultural revolution and um it's kind of the the beginning of the student strike so for people who don't really know the history of the 1960s all you really need to know is that there's being there's a major cultural shift going on and this film is sort of um exploring those cultural shifts um through the lens of a woman who um Runs a, uh, a school um, with her husband and her sister-in-law and a nun, and the school is meant to essentially produce housewives. Um, oh. and I think I don't know a lot about French culture, but I I think these schools were very much a real thing in France oh. up until this. Oh, point. so this
0: is based on something like real, like there were these schools actually existed.
1: Yeah, like I know I'm familiar with finishing schools, which were essentially schools where women went to, or young women went to essentially develop skills that would make them suitable wives. Um, I didn't really realize in France that this was, these finishing schools were kind of continuing, but I would say, I would, I would say that it was, this is probably factual that these schools existed in the 1960s. Okay, wow. Um, and so the film follows sort of the the headmistress, if you will, um, and how her her transformation is sort of mirroring this cultural shift that's happening in France. And it's a comedy, and it's fairly lighthearted, but it is European, so um, maybe would be considered a little... In some places, maybe dark for North American tastes. But I would say it's it's definitely a comedy. Um, like I said, it was just like... Some parts were a little uneven just in terms of... Um, a little bit like a little bit uh, in terms of script. Just sort of like narrative was a little bit um, rocky. And the okay. ending was like super out of place for my taste. Like, follow
0: like, Rocky or or just all over the place?
1: No, just, like, in terms of, like, character development and stuff mm-hmm. and just, like, pacing. And maybe not even pacing. I just think there was, like, some things where um, it wasn't as strong as it could be. Right. Um, and I think it has to do more, like, to me, that's just, like, a script problem because, like, the acting was very good. Um, I think it was just... Yeah, it was a little bit rocky, and then the ending was, like, really, like, for me, out of place. So, the film is a comedy, and then it ends with a musical number. But, like, there is no other musical (laughs) numbers.
0: It ends with a musical number. Like, a
1: choreographed musical number.
0: My movie does, too.
1: (laughs) What?! (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it really ends with a musical number too
1: <laughs> okay so clearly um...
0: <laughs> that's, why, that's why I did a double take and I was like did you just say musical
1: number I'm speechless
0: <laughs> wow yeah mine, mine does too mine ends with a um, a dance sequence and then a, a musical number sung by one of the characters from, from the musical Oklahoma
1: okay but like did it make sense in the context of the film I mean no okay
0: It was supposed to,
1: but it failed
0: to. (laughs)
1: um, This was like their, I don't want to give the ending away, but essentially it's like, we'll just walk. And like, as they're walking, like that part, like if they had just like finished the film there, I would have been like, yes, that makes sense. Like that's like a culmination of the film. It like makes sense for the trajectory of the characters. But like, as they're walking, they break out into song. And it's like, a choreographed number. So it's not like, oh, the, you know, oh, they're just singing now. Like, that's like, even if it was just like a, if they were, if they broke into song, but it was just them like walking and singing, I'd be like, okay, like, you know, this is, like, a protest song, this makes sense, but, like, no, like, it, like, shifted completely in terms of genre conventions, like, it, na- it then became a musical in the last, like, three minutes of the movie.
0: So... <laughs> so that's okay. what I mean
1: by the movie being, like, uneven.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting because that's, like, I mean, a tonal shift is really yeah. is really interesting in, in these type of things, so if the tone really shifted along with it as well... Then that that's different than, than even just a random musical number. If if tone wise it didn't really fit.
1: I mean, like, I guess like the song was like a comedy song, but it just wasn't I don't know, it was just weird to me. Like I thought it was like too like on the nose, like yeah. too like cutesy. Um I don't know why they did that. <laughs> I mean, maybe some people <laughs> enjoyed it. Like, I did hear two girls that were, they looked maybe, like, my age or a little bit younger. Well, I think everyone's my age. They were probably undergrads. But um, they went, oh, like, that was an interesting ending. I overheard them say as we were leaving the theater. <laughs> so, wow. I don't know. Like, overall, I would say if it wasn't for that ending, I'm, like, borderline it would have been a see it for me really like borderline you know what sure. i mean
0: right so borderline before the musical number and but the musical
1: borderline. number made me be like no it's it's a stream it
0: bumped well, it down to a stream it
1: yeah cuz it was just well those
0: are important things right pace and tone consistency those are things we both point out a lot and and if it didn't have that for you it makes sense
1: i would say though overall the acting was really nice um the yeah. comedy was really great um the style the sort of the production like the actual um sets and costuming and lighting all of that was really beautiful cinematography was was good um again I think where it kind of stumbled was a little bit in terms of the script just in terms of pacing like character pacing if that makes sense like sometimes a character would do something and it's like it made sense in terms of narrative, but like, it was almost like we hadn't seen them quite catch up to that behavior oh, yet.
0: I see what you're saying. Okay. So narratively it fit, but within the character, it didn't seem to quite
1: like, not like they like, they just weren't quite there. Like you needed another yeah. scene to show them. Yeah, at
0: that point. yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, but otherwise I would, I enjoyed the, I certainly enjoyed the movie until the end. So okay. that's why it was a is it, it's a stream it for sure. me. Um is it, it was certainly a nice movie to see over the weekend. Like it was a nice breezy movie. I didn't think about COVID the 2 hours I was in the movie theater. Um yeah, I just hate when directors make it was sometimes directors make bold choices that sometimes they are a hit and sometimes they were a miss. And in this regard it was a real miss for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and and I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And so you know, it's nice to see people take risks. And it's always good to to see a director do that. But when it doesn't land, whew, it can yeah, it can definitely not work for you. So there you go. You're giving in a stream it. Yeah. And it is, uh, you, I don't know if you mentioned, maybe you did at the beginning, that it's subtitled.
1: Oh, yeah. It's in French, 100%. So yeah. um, you'll have to do some subtitle reading unless you happen t- to speak French.
0: Yeah. Good to let people know, just in case.
1: You never know. That That's the last thing I need is next week an angry email Taylor I went to go see how to be a good wife and I had to read subtitles if we get
0: angry emails this week Taylor it's not going to be for your comment on that it's going to be our comment about Kingston claiming people or it's going to be about our comment about the Oscars and their you know their you never know
1: though our listeners sometimes critique weird things about me Sometimes
0: like, they agree with everything else that has been said, except for something that you say very specifically. Yeah. That's and true. like
1: offhandedly, it's always the yeah. things that I don't even think about. And then.
0: offhand yeah. comment you made. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you never <laughs> know yeah. what's going to go. What's okay. going to happen.
0: Uh, well, there you go. Uh, how to be a good wife playing at the screening room. Stream it though. Says Taylor. Yeah. It, it gets weird. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, my movie also ends with a musical number. Um, this is I not think, a spoiler. What
1: are the chances that both movies <laughs> we would see end in musical numbers? And neither are musicals.
0: Well, at least, because what I, what I kind of see is the difference is you you had a tone shift with yours. At least with mine, it kind of fit the tone. Because the movie, so this is I'm thinking of... of uh, ending things, which is a movie available now on Netflix. It just came out, like it's a it's a it's a twenty twenty movie. Um, the tone of that movie is is very has very random things happening. So the musical number was not as out of place as it seems like it was in your movie. Where like, I, I
1: find- assume this is just me. I want to make a guess. Yeah, are they preparing to stage Oklahoma?
0: So Oklahoma is being talked about at, at, the, at the kind of local high school of the, the musical that's kind of done once a year because of they, I, the movie's set somewhere in kind of the middle. I don't think it's actually it's set in Oklahoma, but somewhere where they put on Oklahoma constantly. Um, so kind of, you're, you're kind of right. I will say this movie does not take place. In this high school, there is a scene there near the end, but there, there is a production of Oklahoma being prepared offhanded comment about it. Yes. Okay. The Oklahoma thing is more of it's it's a, it's a kind of a parallel and a story in a way, um, which I actually can't get into because that would be a spoiler. Um, but I can say Oklahoma's brought up before, so it also isn't at a place for that reason anyway, if that makes sense. Like it's not like they've never mentioned Oklahoma, and then there's a song from Oklahoma. Uh, they they mention it quite quite a bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, is basically a movie where you you start with this this kind of protagonist main character who whose name changes throughout the movie. Um, she she and her boyfriend Jake get into a car very, very snowy, blizzardy day, and head to, to see his parents. So um, it ends up being the movie essentially is, you know, if you chop it up into three acts, act one is them in this car traveling to to see the parents. Act two is everything that happens at that house. And act three is their sort of journey after leaving the parents' house. Um this was directed by Charlie Kaufman who did do Internal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind. It is that type of movie where you're not you right from the beginning you know something's off. Again this isn't spoilers and I'm not going to go too He's far.
1: He's a weird guy. I mean, he makes weird movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to tell everyone what happens at the beginning of the movie cuz I don't find figure that as a spoiler. From the beginning you know something is off. Um she has an the character our, our sort of main character she has an internal monologue that Jake gives reference that he can hear. There are strange things that appear where they shouldn't be. Um, you know, a, a swing set in the middle of nowhere, um, a picture on a wall is one person and then shifts to another. A dog appears and then is gone. Um, things are happening and moving in a way that you know something is not right. We're either we're either being seen things out of order or... Um, we are with a narrator that you cannot trust. So that's kind of how the movie sets things up to be. This movie takes you down a very strange winding path um, and, and really has some very odd moments to it, very nonsensical things that happen that leave you at least five times while watching this movie. I said out loud, what is going on in this movie? Because it is going all over the place. The movie I can compare it to actually the most and the closest is, I don't know if you, I can't remember if you saw mother.
1: Yeah, I've seen mother.
0: Okay. It, it's similar to mother, especially the scene where they go, the, the set, sort of second act, which takes place in his parents' house, because a lot of things are happening. It's a little bit slowed down pace wise, like mother at one point in time, there's just things like you can't breathe. Things are just right, happening. Right, the and end. Act, and act.
1: Like when she's you going through all the rooms. Room.
0: Yes. Think of this movie as the mother at the beginning. You're following someone, a woman, through a house, and things are happening around her, and nothing's really being explained to you. It seems like it's normal, but it's actually not. Like There's things that are happening that you or I would point out and be like, well, that's weird, but the characters don't seem to realize that it's super weird.
1: I feel like I would already hate this movie.
0: Yeah, I, I will say that this movie missed for me in a lot of ways. And one of that is something we talked a little bit about with Tenet, um, and is a big thing that I talked about with um, Her Smell um, and even Mother. The soundscape. Where, soundscape being one. Uh, uh, and the director's responsibility, which is to clearly show the audience what is going on, to tell us a story and yes, we can interpret things within the story. Yes, we can figure out um, things on our own. You don't have to tell us everything. You can do hints and nuance. But to me, it's the height of, of uh, pretension to be pretentious. It's the height of that when you just throw things and are like, well, whatever. If you don't get it, you don't get it. I watch movies all the time and I was confused. I read all the time and I was confused. I'm constantly having stories thrown at me and this movie was confusing. It didn't make sense. And even at the end, when the sort of thing happens, quote unquote, to quote unquote, reveal things, nothing is revealed. I had to sit with this movie. I had to read other reviews about it. I had to think on it again till finally, I finally kind of came to, it I was like, okay, I could kind of see that now this means this, and this means this, and this means this, but it's not remotely shown in the movie. And I think that's poor directing Poor storytelling. The soundscape for this movie was also just awful. It's kind of the opposite problem of Tenet and Her Smell. There wasn't any, like, there was barely any sound. And when it happened, it was out of place. And it didn't enhance anything. Like, sound should be used to either give you uh, sort of a setting, give music helps set a tone or a mood, or the lack of music and lack of sound sets a tone and a mood. This is just like there's randomly stuff here and there. And that's all I can say about this movie is I found it was too random. I don't know what the book is like. I don't know if this the book and, and movie are similar. But I just found the movie to be too confusing. Not enough interesting things were happening. I found myself a little bit bored during it. And every time something weird happened, I was like, well, this is weird. But even when they get to the ending, I, I'm I'm no better off. And I had to actually think about the movie and look at other things, read what other things people were saying about it to understand it. And yes. I don't think that's very good.
1: I wonder if we're just, well, I can't speak for you, Mike, but I can speak for myself. I don't do drugs. And
0: I... I I'm not, uh, you can speak to me. You can speak of Yeah, of I,
1: I didn't <laughs> want to infer, yeah, I but I was like, know. I'm like, Mike doesn't do drugs either. So no. I wonder, it's like Christopher Nolan's movies. And it was like when I, I saw She Dies Tomorrow. And when you read like reviews and people are like, you know, this is a movie to watch when you're stoned. I don't wanna have to be stoned to get anything out of a film, personally. If that's All your
0: you don't you don't. They don't get anything out of the film. Their brain just shuts down for a bit or they relax or they, they interpret things in a different way. That's not you're not getting anything. It's out like of it. when
1: someone gets high and they're like, Can you imagine if dogs wore pants? Like, yeah, that's not
0: insightful. (laughs) Dogs wear pants all the time.
1: My brain just doesn't go there and doesn't need to go there. So I don't really get a lot out of this sort of experimental filmmaking and this like experimental narrative. And that's just me. Okay. No.
0: no. And, And so have you now have you seen internal sunshine for the spotless mind? No, but I've heard good things about it. It's an incredible movie. It's all this stuff that we're talking about done well. It's 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 in being innovative and interesting storytelling, and it's it's grasping at concepts and throwing things to you and tricking you as the what's real, what isn't. But it's done well. It's executed well. That's to me. That's the difference. That's the difference between these couple of movies. Like I just don't think I'm thinking of ending things was executed well. Ideas were there. Interesting things were there, but it wasn't executed well. Tenet was not executed well. Great ideas. Some very cool concepts. Yes, lots of things in there would be really cool, but it wasn't executed well. And to me, that's the difference.
1: Yeah. I'd...
0: And I agree with you. I don't want to have to be be like, I, yeah, I, you can, Taylor, you, you can speak for me anytime you want. Uh, I don't do drugs. I don't want to have to to enjoy something and it's not that I'm in, I understand it now. You're enjoying something more because you're lowering your inhibitions like being drunk. You just you're enjoying it more because you you're just lowering you that care. thing. <laughs> you don't care. Yeah, that's not. That's not insightful. You're not a genius. You're, you're just lowering whatever it is that would make you go, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking of ending things is a skip it for me. I don't even think it's worth streaming. I think internal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind is a better movie. It's a better version of that. Um, it's too much like Mother for me in the sense of it was like, I'm going to throw all these things at you. and If you don't get it, I don't care. I'm a great artist. Um, and I just, I don't think that's, to me, that's not what a director and an artist is supposed to do.
1: I didn't like um, Mother either. I thought... No. Ugh. There, was... To me,
0: they're in the same category. This is too close to mother. It's not I will even I will even say I, I think her smell is a better movie than than mother, and I'm thinking of ending this. Ooh. Because her smell, you have yeah. Elizabeth Moss's performance in the middle of it to to carry Grounded. you through it. And at least they were trying to make a point. At least they were trying, and at least by the end of it, you kind of got what was going on. Like at least like there was an attempt to tell you something. This movie, I don't even think they tried to make it make sense at the end. And, and this is the thing. One of the things I read was if you know Roger and Hammerstein's musicals, the ending will make more sense. So people who don't know it, which is a lot of people, are understandably confused. I know Oklahoma like the back of my hand, Taylor. I know Oklahoma. Okay? It still doesn't make sense. The song they picked at the end, I was like, wait, why is he singing this song? Who is this person? That was my reaction. If you get, if you do end up out there watching this movie, you'll you'll understand when when you get there. But that was my reaction to that. So I understand Oklahoma. I get it. I love that music, but what it didn't if, make it.
1: What sense. a niche call out. If you yourself know Oklahoma, you yeah. <laughs> happen to find yourself watching this film, please yeah. write in. Tell us your thoughts.
0: Yeah. If you know the dream ballet sequence in Oklahoma. And and Curly and Judd, then you're gonna, you know, you'll, you'll <laughs> understand that ending, I guess. But uh, yeah, there you go. For me, I'm I'm thinking of ending things. Is a skip it.
1: All right, kind of a lackluster movie week.
0: This is also this is a. I, I was about to say that this is a this is a very mixed bag episode we're all over the place with our takes on things and- hot takes it's hot takes. just let like, we hot. curse
1: ourselves because just last week we said oh this is going to be a middle of the line episode i think we might be at a <laughs> less than great episode today
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah we uh we're, we're we're always close to the pulse of what's going on yeah that's something we miss a little bit. Um, before we we finish things off, just very quickly, Taylor, why don't you just uh, give our audience a, a little treat as to what to expect next week? Yes.
1: So listeners, we are in the middle of TIFF right now, the Toronto International Film Festival. Last year, we had my dear friend and TIFF correspondent, Nicole Stavakowski, on air. And she will be back next Monday to give us her hot takes on the virtual TIFF. TIFF is kind of doing a hybrid model this year. Um, It sounds like you can go and still see some movies. Um, They're doing drive-in movies. Um, I haven't spoken to Nicole too much about her TIFF practices this year, but I'm fairly certain she's going to be doing it all virtual. Um, So she's going to give us a rundown of the films that she has seen, as well as just the general um, feel of the festival this year, now that it's gone online.
0: It's really, that's great. I'm I'm really looking forward to chatting with Nicole again, um, having her back on the show to talk TIFF. So that's next week's episode, everybody, a Toronto International Film Festival Spotlight. We'll talk to Nicole. She'll probably tell us all about the different ways that uh, she's been able to watch movies through TIFF. Um, Looking forward to that. So yeah, if, if there's any listeners left, after this episode, <laughs> join us next week. <laughs> We've got a great episode with Nicole, um, but uh, otherwise that brings us to the end of this week's episode. We, we do hope you enjoyed it um, and we'll uh, hopefully uh, have you back with us next week as we talk Tiff.
1: Go see the movies.
0: Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC podcast now.